also part of the Kingdom Alliance under Fresh Fire USA and is a co-founder of Radio Air Jesus Ministries, is an international radio host, and has experienced many supernatural encounters who operates under a seer prophetic gifting as well as healing, miracles, signs, and wonders. Her ministry is called to the nations to set women free from bondages of abuse, to be a voice, to impact the generation, to empower the bride for such a time as this. Welcome, Alice. That what I was going to be sharing about is freedom ring loud. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, okay, God, you know, what is this freedom you're talking about? And he started giving me some examples of how we needed to begin to run free. And uh, one of them is our mind. So I was really glad that Teresa started to share on some of that. And it flowed so well with what I'm going to share on today. Um, because it's talking about taking hold of your mind. It says in Romans 12, 2, it says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God. Wasn't she just talking about your will, God, and the will of God? That's where you go to that scripture and find that. What is the will of God, and what is good and acceptable and perfect? What is acceptable to him? What does perfection look in the eyes of the Lord? It doesn't look like our perfection. It looks totally different. And we keep pounding ourselves thinking our perfection is the way it's supposed to be. And God's like, no. Your perfection through your lenses, through your eyes, is nowhere near my perfection in my eyes. So he really wants to begin to change perspectives in your mind of what perfection is supposed to look like in your eyes. It's so different. And Isaiah, he, Isaiah says this, and it's so good. It says, you keep them in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Why do we have perfect peace? Because we trust in him. Because we believe and we trust in him that we're going to have this perfect peace because our mind stays on him. That whole relationship thing Teresa came up and released about, is it's for real. It's not like you pick up your word and you read it and you're like, oh, that was a great story. It's like, no, it's living and breathing. It should be in your bloodstream. It's like, okay, it's like, fam I'm just getting some stuff right now. It's like us. We're so determined to find our heritage, right? Like our bloodline. And we're like, I want to know my aunts and my uncles, and I want to know, like, what they were, if they were Irish, if they were Mexican. You know, I want to know all my, my background of who I am, right? And the Lord's like, it, but you forgot about the DNA that I put inside of you. You forgot about you're related to me. When you read your word and you're reading about Peter and Paul, those are part of our, that's part of our inheritance. That's part of who we are. They came before us to create something so big for us, and we don't get it. We think, oh, it's just Apostle Paul. Oh, it's just Peter. It's just Doubting Thomas. And really, they came to show us a diagram 
of when we went through those things that we wouldn't be demolished by the enemy anymore in those areas. And the same way we're so determined to find out our family tree, we have the best family tree ever in the Word. That's our family tree. That's where we pull from when we need questions answered. When we're going through things, we go back to that because our lineage, our inheritance, everything gets pulled from those times that they broke through and they overcame, that now we can come and gravitate to that and pull that to a now time for us. We think, oh, that happened, you know, Old Testament, New Testament, wherever you find it. And God's like, no, I gave it to you so you wouldn't stumble and fall in certain areas anymore. I gave you those stories so you can gravitate to them and they can be real to you and you can become an overcomer just like them. In 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 6, it says, For through we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war again according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion, let me say that again, opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. That's why obedience in the kingdom of God is extremely important. I'm gonna, I want to give you a description of this because, you know, the Lord's been, you know, no, but not too many people know this, but I worked mental health for most of my life. I worked in a hospital of mental health patients, and I had a group of youth that I was, I was like a supervisor of a unit for a lot of kids, and not too many people know that part of my life. But I remember seeing the process that they dealt with and they went through with their mind. And how things that they had gone through in their life affected them here, and then they let it reside into who they became. And so, um, I like the way Bill Johnson says this. He says, it's almost like you have an army in your mind, and what happens when we're hurt and we're wounded, or we go through things in our life, even trauma like Edie's been talking about for the past two days. What happens is walls start going up. In our, it starts here first, and then it goes to here. Because what, what, you begin, what begins to happen is your thoughts begin to come through of things that are coming against what God's already put there. And so what happens is these walls go up, and the enemy hides behind the walls, and those, that hiding creates patterns in your life. And you don't even realize it because you're just thinking simple thoughts. You can get up in the morning and say, oh, my God, I'm so fat. And it's a simple thought to you. You're just thinking out loud. You're just having this emotion or this feeling. And all of a sudden, it hides behind a wall, and it sits there while you feed it. And all of a sudden, you're not just fat. All of a sudden, you come back in here, and you're like, man, I don't like my skin color. I don't like the color of my eyes. I don't like the hair that I have. I don't like this. I don't like that. And you start feeding that thing that it gets so big behind the wall that it begins to overtake you. And it comes against the very thing that God says. 
That's why the washing of the word is important because he speaks truth about each and every one of us about who we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be ambassadors. We're supposed to be these believers that are filled with power. And guess what? He comes and he starts creating these patterns in your mind. That, and guess what it does? It stops you from moving in the fullness of who you were created to really be. And every time you want to do something, those things start creeping up in your mind. Because they're hidden behind walls and you don't even know they're there. You get a prophetic word and you're like, you're going to write a, si a book, sister. You know, we've been talking about book writing, right? You're going to write a book, sister. And all of a sudden, behind that hidden wall that you've created, a little voice comes up and it says, you can't write. You barely even could learn when you were going to school. How do you see yourself writing a book? And then, boom, the shutdown comes inside of you. And then you don't write the book. And then you go into hope defer. And then it makes you sick. And then it turns into all the other stuff, the bitterness. And then you start seeing your brothers and sisters write books. And then something rises up from within that wall, and you're like, I can't believe they wrote a book. And then you start speaking against what they're doing for the kingdom of God. You see how this works? Because then you start crushing the very essence of who God created them to be and them to be because jealousy and bitterness and all this stuff begin to rise up because of this little bitty thing that get, got hidden behind a wall that creates this long pattern. And you don't even realize it because you can't see it sometimes. And it happens over and over and over and over again. Those patterns that begin to present themselves. It says in James 1.8, it says, it says, He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. We cannot be unstable in our minds. We can't be unstable at all, because when we get unstable, we lose our footing in the very thing God has us doing. You can begin to do something for God, and all of a sudden in your mind, something rises up that shuts down the very thing God has you doing. That's why if you go back to that scripture we were reading earlier in 2 Corinthians, it talks about how every thought captive to obey Christ obey Christ. How do you even begin to obey Christ? You do exactly what he tells you to do. And you don't ask questions. And you don't allow time to come and cause doubt and confusion in your mind and allow those old patterns of ways of thinking begin to stop you. You know, my, when I was growing up, you know, my family, they had a, my dad had a very poverty mindset. And then here, here I'm called to the nations and I'm called to all these things, and I'm like, God, I don't even know how that's going to happen because my dad is telling me in the natural that I can't do certain things because of the limitation of my finances. So how am I going to even break the pattern? And the Lord's like, well, you have to obey me, baby. Everything I tell you to do, you have to do it. And don't question it, and don't have doubt, and don't let confusion come in and pull you away from what I'm having you do this season. You have to trust in me. And then I'm like, okay, God, so you want me to trust in you? And he's like, yes. 
Don't worry. Don't be full of anxiety. Don't be, don't be double-minded where the enemy comes and plays with your mind and makes you think that he makes you think things that aren't even there. Let me give an example of that because I'm very transparent when I minister. I have to be because you know what? I have you and you and everybody watching online in my heart and in my mind so they don't have to deal with it. And they don't have to go through things that I had to go through because I went through the school of hard knocks because I'm, I'm very hard-headed sometimes. <laughs> I really am. And, and so I, I went to this women's retreat one weekend and I remember showing up, and I was so excited because I got to be with some mentoring people there and some leaders, and I was so excited, and I was like, man, I'm going to, I want to pull from them. I want to spend time with them. I had all this whole thing in my mind of what it was going to look like, right? We do that sometimes, right? And then when we get there, it doesn't happen that way. And then guess what happens? We're offended. We're hurt. And so this whole weekend that I'm supposed to be with Jesus, spending time with Jesus, the enemy comes and whispers to me, they don't love you. They don't care about you. I don't know why you even thought you were going to have any of their time. Look at them. They're, they can't even have a meal with you. I'm being for real because this happens for real with women. And so the end of the retreat, this whole time, I'm upset. I'm calling my husband. And I'm like, I cannot believe they're treating me this way. I cannot believe they're doing this to me. I cannot believe I'm going through this whole process, right? Poor me, wallowing myself. It's all about me. We get to that place and we do that a lot. You know? And we want everybody to stop around us and pay attention to poor us. So, so I'm there and the whole weekend I'm just distraught. And the very thing I was there to be in and be a part of, I didn't even get to partake of it. The whole weekend went past. The last day, this person comes up to me. I'm so sorry that I didn't get to spend much time with you. I'm so sorry that I didn't get to have dinner with you. I'm so sorry this and I'm so sorry that. And then she says, she says, I'm so sorry because I was on an assignment of the Lord. And I had to spend time with somebody because they're struggling in a, in a really bad place with their marriage. And the Lord told me I needed to help them. And you don't understand how I felt after that. <laughs> I felt so dumb. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, I wasted a whole weekend on something that wasn't even true. Like I wasted a whole weekend and, and wasted time with Jesus just because I was in my mind thinking all these thoughts that the enemy, and you know what he pulled from? Because rejection that I had gone through in my life previously to that event that I still had inside of me. And I hadn't gotten rid of that rejection. And so here I am at this thing and I'm like, she's rejecting me just like everybody else just like my family, just like this person. And I'm going through this list, and I'm so broken. And the Lord's like, probably like, what are you doing, Alice? Like, I sent you there to be with me. I sent you there to receive from me. And the very thing you were there for, you didn't even get to do because you were here in your mind with those past patterns, with those past thoughts of things that weren't even true. 
and you believe the lie. We believe a lie way too many times. 2 Timothy 1.7, it says, For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Some, some different ones say self-control. We have to not be in fear in certain areas of our life anymore. Like, we have to get rid of fear. We, you know, and the most fear that comes in is when you don't know what's going to happen. You know that we're so controlling in our own lives that we have to know every single piece of our lives because we're so stinking controlling over every single thing that we have to know every little part before it happens. Isn't that so sad? Because that's what we were taught growing up through TV, through media, through all these avenues that we look at. We have to know what's going to happen next. Because if we don't know what's going to happen next, then we fear the unknown. And God's like, I didn't set you up to fear the unknown. I created you to be excited and allow me to give you suddenlies and allow me to give you surprises in areas of your life that when my goodness comes in, it's going to be so evident that my goodness is wrapped around you, that my goodness is present in your life, that you don't even, you don't have to know what the next step is sometimes. Sometimes you just need to go with Jesus and flow with the Lord. And if, and if you can't make it somewhere, you can't be somewhere, you can't, you can't be so angry with yourself because something didn't happen the way you wanted it to happen. When you're in his will, it's not going to look like the way you want it to look like. It's not going to feel the way you want it to feel. But he has lots of things for you to do for his kingdom. And he's like, you got to get on my glory train. Because the glory train will come. I, I literally had, uh, and I wasn't even going to share this. I'll share the part that I'm allowed to share, though. I was in a dream the other night of me and my husband. And I remember seeing some train tracks. And I remember seeing some old buildings, right? See, and, I, and, and, and I'm just going to be transparent right now. And we went to this place. We didn't know where we were at. We were like in this big old warehouse place. And I saw an opportunity to get a employment. And I was going to have favor in it. I mean, it looked so good. I mean, the pole package deal, you know. And I, be, I remember standing there being excited for, for this employment, this job. And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, Things changed, and the presence of God showed up in my dream in such a way, and the Lord began to just show me, like, even the, the train and the buildings and the crossing over in the glory train with him, that it wasn't going to look the way I wanted it to be. And he just started coming, and he said, what are you doing? Why are you there? Like, what are you, why are you doing that? And I was like, well, God, I was just trying to, 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 to do what I know how to do. He's like, but I didn't tell you to do that. That's not what I said for you to do. And so we try to figure things out on our own sometimes, and we try to make things happen by our own power. And the Lord's like, no, you're not in my will. You're trying to do things on your own. You're trying to 
fix your family. You're trying to fix your kids. You're trying to fix your husbands. You're trying to fix everything around you. And God says, stop trying to fix things and move out of the way so I can come in and do what I have to do with each and every person in your life. Sometimes I didn't call I didn't call you to fix things. Only fix what I tell you to fix, only have solutions for what I tell you to have solutions for, but not everything is for you to be so controlling that you have to be on top of everything. It has to be this way, it has to look this way, you know? Because you're not free like that. It, 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 it's, a, it's a false freedom that comes in and sets in your life, and you think you're free, and really you're not. You're just being controlling over every aspect of your life. And the Lord's like, no, you have to move out of the way. You got to let me come in and work on your spouse. You got to let me come in and work on your family. You got to let me come in and begin to transform things around you. And it's not going to look like the way you think it's going to look like. Jeremiah says in 33.3, it says, call to me and I will answer you. And I will tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. If you don't know something, how are you going to know what it's supposed to look like or what it's supposed to feel like if you don't know it? That's why you're not supposed to figure things out sometimes. Well, I have to know what this means, and I got to know exactly this. And I have to know, before I even make say yes to that, I got to know what exactly it looks like and the precise things of it. And God's like, but if I'm showing you new things that you don't even know, you've never experienced, you've never seen it before, then how are you going to try to figure it out in your mind? You're not. He has to be able to come in and have a way into your heart and into your mind. Colossians 3, 1 and 2, it says, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above and not on things that are on this earth. Why does he say that? Because he doesn't want you to live the way the world lives. He doesn't want you to, li to live out of an earthly mindset that comes with limitations. And it comes with people saying, you can't do this, you can't have that. You'll never be this, you'll never be that. That's what he's talking about, to keep your mind on heaven and not on earthly things. He's coming in and he's giving you like a blueprint. And he's giving you direction you know, Teresa was up here doing that mountain thing. And some of us get so confused going around mountains and exhausted and tired because God is trying to show you a new thing and you keep trying to do the old patterns and the old things. And you're like, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. God bless you, da-da-da. And you do all of that, but you're still in the same place you were. God's like, you can, you can play the part all you want, but what's really happening inside of you? Where are you really inside? I can go around and smile all day and carry myself a certain way and be broken inside. That's what the masks were about, the very first day of taking them off. There's a lot of stuff that goes on inside of us, and we cannot remain the same anymore. There's just so much inside of us, and, and we have to allow God to come in and rebuild us 
take down the walls in our mind, expose the enemy in our minds and how we think, and let those walls come down so he can't hide behind them anymore and create patterns. This, we're supposed to be pattern breakers. And guess what? When you break your pattern in your life, things the way you think and how you think, you go and you help others be pattern breakers too. Because it's never just about us. There's a greater magnitude that God wants to do with you. Like she said, we're all supposed to be ministers, right? Proverbs 17.22. It says, a joyful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. Let me tell you, I've seen a lot of crushed spirits in a lot of places I've been to. And you know what happens? It happens the most in women the most is crushed spirits. Let me tell you why. Because everywhere I go, women have such pain in their bones. They have a lot of osteoporosis. They have a lot of um, sickness in their bones. And I remember when my mom was alive, I remember, I remember I read this book one time. Depression makes your body hurt. All these things in your mind that you begin to believe and feed, they begin to mess with your body, and they make your body sick. And I remember I was reading this book one time, and I remember calling my mom, and I said, Mom, they diagnosed you with osteoporosis. You know why you have osteoporosis? And she's like, no, I don't know. I don't know why, Miha. I don't know why I have that, that sickness. I said, it's because you need, to, you need to get into some forgiveness, Mom. Unforgiveness makes you sick in your bones. And she says, well, whatever I have to do, I'm going to do it right now. I'm just going to. And I said, well, you have to do it from your heart. It's nothing I can make you do. It's something that you have to do sincerely in your heart. And the oil comes when there's forgiveness. The oil begins to come and it brings that joy and it brings that strength to your bones. And you won't be sick anymore in your bones anymore. You know, a lot of the older generation, they don't have to go through that process of osteoporosis and pain in their bones anymore because God never meant for them to have it. God never meant for their bodies to be sick. He never did. I'm going to share an, an encounter I had. After I share this one scripture, it says, Ephesians 4.32, it says, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. In Colossians 3.13, it says, Bearing one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. You, we all must forgive. I remember one day I was in worship at my old church, and I began to see a meat market. And I know God talks to me weird, but this is how me and Jesus communicate. He, he takes me through these crazy encounters, and then I ask him afterwards, what did that even mean, God? And I began to see a meat market, and it had signs in the front of the window. And I walk up to the, to the doorway, and I remember telling the Lord, I said, God, I said, this, like, 
why am I at a meat market? And he's like, just come in. And I walk in, and there's blood everywhere, on the walls, on the, on the ceiling, on the floor. It's just full of blood everywhere. And, you know, my first reaction is like, oh, my God, like, I don't want to see this, God. I don't want to see blood everywhere and how disgusting this looks. So he says, just come with me. And I go with him behind the counter, behind the, pla- the place where they display the meat. And I go to the backslide, and I see this big old piece of wood block where it's like a cutting wood block, and it's soaked with blood. And I go back there, and I begin to see arms and legs begin to come towards me, and they're crawling on the floor. And you're like, what in the world? I was like that. What in the world, God? I don't understand this. And he says, you, and I said, God, I just want to help them. I don't want them to be losing limbs. I don't want them to be without an arm. I don't want them to be without a leg. I don't want them to be suffering and in pain, God, anymore. That was my heart and my dream. I said, God, just tell me what to do and I'll do it. I'll do whatever I have to do to help that person, God, because I don't want to hear them crying. I don't want to hear them suffering anymore. He says, he says, you know what that is? And I said, no. And he says, it's my sheep slaughtering my sheep. And I said, what do you mean? He said, yeah, it's my sheep slaughtering my sheep because of unforgiveness in their hearts. Let me tell you, this region needs to begin to forgive one another because they keep slaughtering the very thing that God's called them to do. The very thing that God wants them to be at, the place where God wants them to be, it has nothing to do with me. But until they begin to walk it out, the forgiveness in their hearts with one another and really, really understand that they're killing their brothers and they're killing their sisters with, un- with, with unforgiveness. Let me tell you, you'll never look at Jesus the same when you begin to see suff- people suffer to that magnitude. And the next time people offend you or, or say something mean to you or they look at you a certain way and this, you carry all this stuff hidden in your heart. And God's like, don't you know what you're doing? You're chopping their hands off. You're chopping their feet off. You're chopping their legs off. Set them free. I had a big conversation with my mom and I said, mom, you got to set them free. Whoever it is you can't forgive, you got to set them free. So you can move forward to do the greater things that God has for you. You can't move forward if you can't forgive. It doesn't work that way in the kingdom of God. God's laying on the cross, almost naked. And he could have said anything, but he said, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they do. He could have said anything. He had just been beaten. He had just gone through this whole process. And he did nothing wrong. Some of you have been attacked and gone through things. You're like, man, I didn't do anything wrong. Why am I going through this suffering, through this stuff? And, and you sometimes just have to say, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they do. Set whoever you need to set free this morning. It's important in your walk with Jesus. Your life will be changed from it. I know by experience. I had to set some people free in my life. Some people that did some really bad hurt in my life. Even when you're a kid and people come to hurt you. 
and you were a kid, what could a possibly a kid do to make somebody so mad that they would hurt you in the ways you've been hurt? And God's like, forgive them. Forgive them. And you're like, but I don't want to, God. I want to stay in this bitter place. I want to stay angry. I want to stay upset inside. And God's like, no, set them free. What I have for you is way more important than that thing you're holding on to. You're not looking at your life in a kingdom mindset because you can't forgive them. Don't you know I have great things for you to do? Not just for me, but for yourself. In Proverbs 4.23, it says, Keep your heart with all vigilance. For it flows the springs of life. If your heart is not okay and you need freedom in your heart today, let it go. Let those things that you've been harboring in your heart, let them go. Because the, the, the flows of the rivers of the springs of life are supposed to flow from that place. That's why he says, be very vigilant of your heart. Because the heart is sensitive. Things come and things happen and situations occur in your life and your heart gets tainted sometimes. You know, I've been around some powerful ministers before in my life and some of them, their heart's been tainted. Maybe it's ministry. Maybe it's, it's your family. Whatever it is, let it go. Don't hold on to it anymore. It's not worth it. God has great things for you. Psalms 28, 7, it says, The Lord is my strength and my shield. In him my heart trusts. I can't trust people, God. They always want to hurt me. They always want to abuse me. Well, trust in me. I created your heart. I created you to love that way. Are you going to trust in me? And, 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 and then it continues to say, I am helped. My heart exults. And my song, I give thanks to him. You don't have to do it in your own strength. You trust in him. His strength is in his shield for you. He protects you. In that releasing of your heart to him, he protects you in all things. Because you begin to trust in him and not in man anymore. Man's always going to be imperfect. Man's always going to come and do things sometimes that are not Always led by the Spirit of God. I'm sorry to tell you that. But not everything's going to be filtered by the Spirit of the Lord. People are human and they make mistakes and they make bad choices sometimes. And you have to understand that your trust is in Him. Your heart is His. How do you want to give your heart to the Lord? If you give it to Him today and it's broken, it's okay because He's the mender of all things. Give it back to Him. I had an, an, an encounter here last night, and it was so awesome. I was in the middle of the ocean, and maybe that might be frightful to you, but to me, I love it. <laughs> and I was in the middle of the ocean in this little brown wooden boat, and I could just hear and feel the waters of the ocean just begin to rock the boat. And I turned around, and the Lord was in the boat with me. And we were laying 
head to head, body to body in the boat like this. And I began to see the stars. And he was just loving on me. Don't you know you deserve his love today? Don't you know you don't have to do anything for that love? He just wants to hang out with you sometimes. He just wants to lay with you cheek to cheek. And he wants to love on his daughter and love on his son. And as I began to look at the stars, he said, I always had you in my mind. From the very beginning, you were in my heart. From the very beginning, when it all started, you were always in the picture of it all. And he reminded me of a scripture in Genesis 22:17, where he's talking to Abraham. And he says, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore, that your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies. It's time for us to take possession of the cities of the enemies. And I'm just laying there, just, we're just having a conversation, me and Jesus. And he's just telling me how he loves me, and I'm telling him how much I love him. And it's nothing extravagant, but it's the simplicity of just being, hanging out one with the other was the important part of intimacy. He doesn't want you to pray for a certain amount of hours. He doesn't want you to do this and do that. He's going to give you a list. Oh, you were good this day. You were bad this day. He was like, you're my daughter. I want to spend time with you. I want to hang out with you. I want to get to know you and you get to know me. And let's do this journey of kingdom together. And you don't, you're not alone. The enemy always tells you how alone we are. And you know why he keeps telling you how alone you are? Because really you have the entire kingdom of God backing you up and walks with you every single day. You have the angelic. If we were to see our angels right now, they would be all battered and bruised up and full of cuts and bruises because they stand in front of every hit the enemy comes and gives us. My husband has a tattoo in his arm of his angel. But when the Lord saved him from a gunshot that he got, and the angel comes and just blocks things because the destiny and the purpose are way more important than any bad decision that you have or you've made. Your destiny and your purpose are, are, what key, are what's key for the kingdom of God. What he already spoke to existence is going to come to pass, whether you want it to or not. It can take you from today to tomorrow to make the purpose and destiny happen. Or you could go around the mountain like Teresa was saying, and then it may take you another five years to get it. But the Lord's like, what I created you to do and to be is going to happen. Because when God decrees a thing and speaks a thing over something of living, it's going to happen. That's how he spoke to the earth 
when he began to create day and night. That's how he began to speak things in existence. He's already, ex uh, he's already spoken your purpose and destiny in the atmosphere. Peter was talking about atmosphere. Your purpose and destiny is already in the atmosphere. You just have to agree with it. If he says you're a worshiper, then worship. If he says you're a dancer, then dance. If he says you're a pastor, then pastor. If he says you're an evangelist, then begin to evangelize. Whatever he's spoken is already in the atmosphere. He's just waiting for you to come and gravitate towards it and begin to come and pull those things in that he's already spoke about your life. You're stopping yourself. He's waiting on you. It's not the other way around. We walked into a store the other day, and you know, we always feel like, like we, like, <laughs> we always feel a certain way when we're around certain people sometimes. And it doesn't matter what kind of person you're around, but sometimes we get into places, maybe a restaurant or a store, where there's other people around you and you feel uncomfortable around them. And what makes you feel uncomfortable is not going to make me feel uncomfortable. Everybody has their own uncomfortable. Everybody has their own views of things around them. But I'm going to tell you today, people are all just people. And all people go through things the same way. It doesn't matter if you're rich. It doesn't matter if you're poor. It doesn't matter if you have a ministry or if you have a title. People are just people. And everybody goes through things. And everybody deals with things. And it's not just us. So when you walk into a store, you walk into a place where you feel uncomfortable, you need to keep that in your mind. And say, people are just people. They're probably hurting just as much as I've been hurt. Or I've gone through some things. They've gone through some things just like I have. And when you begin to see people as people, your perspective begins to change and your love for those people begins to change and the uncomfortable feeling that you begin to feel begins to feel comfortable. You know why, what, what drives me in my spirit is that it's not about me, it's all the generations that come behind me. If I can change somebody's life, one person, it doesn't matter how many people there are. If I could just change one person and that one person multiplies to many, I'm okay with that. And the Lord, you know, I had a dream the other night of I was, I was in China. And I began to see these little girls and they're... They're doing the traditional, what they know how to do for their spiritual father that's walking before them. And they're walking in this river, and they were told that they couldn't have no emotions. This river was freezing cold. They were told they, couldn't, they could not have any emotion. They had to look, be standing tall. They were carrying umbrellas in this river, and they looked traditionally a certain way. And I'm watching all this happening in my dream. And I remember my heart being so grieved in the dream. 
Because I said, God, they don't have to even do that for you. Maybe for their God, they have to do this and do that, and they have, to, they have to walk through cold waters, and they can't have any emotions, and they can't feel things, God. And maybe that's what they're taught in their culture. But my heart just, when I woke up in my dream, I just began to weep and cry for the women there in other countries. Because we devalue the very thing that God's given us in our country, which is freedom. And we haven't used it the way that we're supposed to. And we haven't valued it the way we're supposed to. Because we're so busy with our own selves that we cannot even see the next generation that's coming and they're watching and they're looking at us and they're trying to see if they could just get a glimpse of hope from us. If they could just get a glimpse of something from us that walk with God that we can begin to pour into them and teach them the real ways of how God really is. And I remember wanting to yell in my dream to the girls and say, you don't have to do that. God already loves you. You're beautiful to him. You don't have to walk through a freezing cold river. The river's already inside of you. I know you don't know this yet, but I hope to meet you one day so I don't have to go through this pain and this agony watching you believe a system that isn't true. That's what has to burn in you. That's what has to begin to burn in you. That God, it doesn't matter what I think or what I say, God, but that if I can go and transform somebody's life in such a way that their systems, as my husband would say, the BS belief system, that they get caught up in, that I come and I crush every ideal, every idol and everything in their lives that is not true. That's who I think about. When, I, when I'm on this media, TV, that's who I have in my heart and my mind. When I begin to write my books, that's who I have in my heart and my mind. To not just transform a, a region, but to transform a whole nation. That's what God created us to do. And you can't transform a whole nation when you continue to stay broken. And you continue to stay with the same mindset and the same patterns. And not allow God to come and begin to pull those things. I went through a whole season of God pulling things off of me. I went through a whole season where God had to begin to rebuild me. I had a whole season where I didn't see or hear anything. Let me tell you, when you can't see and you can't hear anything, I wonder how many of us will continue to serve him will continue to love him, will continue to obey him. It's a a big difference when you don't hear him or when you don't see him. Because faith at that point has to begin to rise up inside of you. And you have to say, God, it doesn't matter what I feel. It doesn't matter what I don't see. Because I know that you exist. Because the word that you've given me says you exist. That you're almighty and you're powerful. And you never leave me and you never forsake me. So I know you're here. Even though I can't see you. Even though I can't feel you, God. Even though I'm not getting revelation or getting all this stuff. I know you're still here with me, God. And I have to tell myself that over and over again. And faith begins to be built inside of you. 
And, and you don't need to hear or see something all the time. Just know that he's there. Just know that he hasn't left you or forsaken you. We get so fixated on not hearing and seeing in different seasons in our lives, and we miss the very growth that God is trying to birth inside of us. He's trying to teach you to increase your faith, that you're not dependent on your pastor or you're not dependent on, on, on words of man. You're dependent on him. Everything that you have is dependent on him. Your whole entire being, the Lord's been speaking to me a lot about being anchored to him. Not anchored to your ministry. Not anchored to, to, to some kind of belief system. Not anchored to leaders. Not anchored to people that God's put in your life. No, you anchor yourself to him. He's what keeps you afloat. You come and you anchor yourself to the very being of who he is, and then you won't go astray, wandering and lost and confused anymore. But we haven't even taken out the anchor to drop it. God, I just thank you to this afternoon, God. You created us all to be very special people, God. We were in your heart and your mind from the very beginning, God. And your plans don't change, God. You're not an emotional God that changes his mind every day, God. You speak it and it happens, God. You're faithful, God, in all that you say and all that you've already said and all that you've done this past weekend, God. You're going to make it happen, God. Every healing, every prophetic word that was released this weekend, God, we ask that you seal it right now, God. Nothing that we've heard, nothing that we've received, God, is going to go to the ground and wither. But it's going to begin to blossom up and out of us, God. Every single part, God. God, we thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your love that you give to us unconditionally every single day of our lives, God. We just thank you, Father God. We thank you for your goodness, Lord.